that was the devil just lying to me and telling me that it was okay to cheat on my husband. You know, I, so I struggle with anger, as I talked about, and I struggle with pornography as well. That was, those are things that I brought into our marriage. I knew that our marriage wasn't doing well, but I didn't, but I didn't know why. And then I open up and I'm looking at these emails and, and initially I thought, this is just a sick joke. Are you currently married? Are you engaged to be married? Do you someday want to be married? Here are the most common promises made at a wedding. To have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others, to love and to cherish until death do us part. But what happens when we bring our dysfunctions, our hurts, our bad habits, and our character defects into that marriage? Is there a way to change a broken marriage into a healthy marriage? These are the questions that I want to ask our guest today. I'm Eric Hutchinson, and this is the If Nothing Changes podcast. I have a wonderful couple with me today, and they are going to share with us their life change story. Let's get into it, shall we? Hey, friends, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Karina, and I have lived in Northwest Arkansas for coming up on 18 years. And I'm Joe. I'm married to Karina, and I have also been in Arkansas for 18 years. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming to our podcast. Um, let's get to know you just a little bit uh, before you guys met each other. I'm assuming that you were raised in your uh, a family somewhere. So, Karina, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're from, if you're not from Northwest Arkansas, and tell us a little bit about your family dynamic, how many brothers and sisters you had, your mom and dad, and, and what your relationship was like with them. Sure. I am from Bakersfield, California. I grew up out in the country um, of, of Bakersfield, California, kind of between Shafter and Wasco, out in the country there. I grew up with three stepbrothers, a stepsister, and a biological sister. And uh, yeah, big family. So were you close to your parents uh, or to a brother and sister in particular than the others? Or uh, I grew up with my stepmom and my biological dad. And I was closest to my biological sister growing up, and then I was also very close to my dad growing up. Okay. And there was a lot of um, abuse from other members of the family that I had to go through and through a lot of years of my growing up, um, and that was very difficult. Yeah. But my dad's love, I feel like, is what carried me through childhood and just gave me hope. Oh. Yeah. How about you, Joe? Where'd you grow up? Um, well, so actually the f funny thing is, so I was born in Arkansas. I tell people this. I lived here like nine weeks, so that makes me a local. Um, but I actually uh, grew up most of my life overseas, um, uh, Saudi Arabia, Indonesia. And wow. then uh, my when I turned 18, my senior year of high school, I moved to Bakersfield, California, which is where I met Karina. My parents were not perfect parents, but they were great parents. So why don't you move to, you know, you, you both apparently got into Bakersville, California, whenever Joe moved there. Mm -hmm. So did you meet in school? How did you meet? <laughs> That's a funny story. <laughs> Actually, so Joe and I like to tell the story that uh, we met before the Internet existed because we're that old. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, bulletin board systems were a thing back then where one computer would call another computer and Joe just so happened to be running a bulletin board system, otherwise known as a BBS. And I would get online looking for someone to talk to or something to do. Um, and I actually ended up meeting him that way. We became the best of friends and we've been best of friends ever since. Was was there any God experiences in your families growing up? I mean, or did that come in after you guys met? Or when did when did uh, you have a God experience? Wow. So for me, I, um, the first God experience that I had was, so as I mentioned earlier, we lived out in the country. One day, this big green bus showed up and stopped in, out in front of our house. And uh, these two missionaries got out. And uh, they said, hey, do you want to go to church? And they took us to this little church, this little tiny building, and um, they taught us about Jesus. So, Joe, how about you? Did you have any God experiences early on or not? So I was aware of who Jesus was, but I but it really didn't have much of an impact on my life. So when did uh, you accept Christ? As When did you become a Christian? So um, Karina and I actually... Uh, we we call ourselves adult converts because we kind of, you know, even though we had that inter- that uh, you know introduction to to church a little early on, uh, we actually um, as adults we went off uh, went to a business conference that also had a church service on a on a Sunday, and um, Karina and I both we we love to tell that part of the story too. Mm-hmm. That uh, um, this guy gets up, it, it was amazing. He was talking about all kinds of different difficulties, um, especially um, things I was dealing with. And then uh, he did an altar call, and Karina and I looked at each other at the same time and said, are you thinking what I'm thinking? And we wow. went down and accepted Christ, um, which was also super cool because yeah. they gave us a Bible. Yes, and also you know, our beliefs kind of like swayed. We believe, we don't believe, we don't know what we believe, and I guess overall we were kind of agnostic, but... When we went to this convention, that altar call thing happened, and that was really amazing. But a little side thing that was also happening is we had been married for about two and a half years at that point, and we were trying to get pregnant. And um, I have something called polycystic ovarian syndrome, so it was very difficult to get pregnant in the first place. And so I wasn't able to get pregnant, and we were on all kinds of different fertility treatments and all of that. And so we're at this, at this convention, the altar call happens. We both look at each other at the same time. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? And, you know, we are thinking what we're thinking. We go down and we accept Christ officially, like for real this time we get a Bible, we head back home and we're driving 10 hours from Salt Lake city, Utah, back to Sacramento at the time, which is where we lived, um, reading the new Testament of the Bible when, he was driving, I was reading it. When I was driving, he was reading it. And anyway, so five weeks later, um, I get a call from my genetic counselor who says, well, I guess you already know that you're pregnant. And I had no idea. I was jumping up and down like wow. I just won the lottery. And he was, of course, at, where were you? Were you in? I was actually in a, in a, a training. A training yeah. seminar somewhere else, like not even in Sacramento, right? Yeah, yeah I was in San Jose. Yeah, San Jose. <laughs> So it's pretty, just pretty wild. And we feel like 
that was God saying, here you go. I mean, for us, that's what happened because when, when, whenever I had my blood tests and all of that, and they took an ultrasound and they were able to see about how far along I was, it was five weeks and it was five weeks ago that we had accepted Christ. So that was absolutely a God thing. So we Pretty jumped amazing. ahead. We did a little bit. Yeah, so I know you were two years, but that's okay. That's when yeah. that's when you would say that's when when Christ came into your life, and mm-hmm. you guys both say that's you kind of claim that together, which is really cool. Yeah. So you hear people say, "Hey, the honeymoon's over," and sometimes that's a year, sometimes it's a few days, and sometimes it's three or four years. So you know, whenever you guys got married, and again, I'm making an assumption that you know, things were cake and cookies for a while, but was there anything or any time that you said, you know what, the honeymoon's over and we are really married. And was there, I mean, was there any, what time period in your life was it in in your marriage that you would say, you know, honeymoon's over. We're now officially just married. Yeah. Do we do the dirty secret? (laughs) We were, we were not Christians yet. Um, And uh, Karina and I actually moved in together uh, yeah. So we lived together for for three years, I think it was. Mm-hmm. We got married the week before I graduated college because yeah. I promised we'd get married before I graduated and then dragged it out to the very end. Okay, so when did, how long, so you lived together for a while. When, how long before you got married and you made it official? Um, I think it was about three years. Yeah. Wow, okay. So let me ask you this, because was there a shift Sometimes people that live together, you know, they live together for years, and then when they get married, something changes, and all of a sudden these dysfunctions and things start coming out. So you guys both have mentioned that there were a few dysfunctions maybe in your childhood growing Mm -hmm. up. So did you bring those into your marriage? Did that happen while you were living together? Did you start saying, man, but or did, did it happen more after you got married? I mean, overall... We got along really well until we moved to Rogers. And I'm not saying like everything shifted, but when we moved to Northwest Arkansas, um, that's when my difficulties of my childhood, all of the dysfunction started to come to a head. And I don't know exactly why that was the time, because how many years were we married by the time? All of that started happening. 13, 12, 13 no, years? No, nine years. We moved nine here, years? Yeah, 2005, and we got married in 96, so yeah. yeah, nine years. Yeah. So, I mean, just to make a long story short, he uh, got really busy doing things, and in my own struggles, which I have something called love and relationship addiction, which I could talk about in a little bit if you would like me to do that, And I also have codependency. So those are two really big struggles in my life. You know, one of those um, love and relationship addiction, for me, it came to a head. And I, of course, I didn't know I had that at the time. It's not like it's a medical condition. It's a mental condition. But um, one of the things that happened for me was uh, when Joe got really busy with his schedule, I started finding things to do. And of course, for me at that time, God was in my life, but I was not making him first in my life. I was not making God a priority at all. And so whenever Joe got busy, I started trying to make myself busy by getting on the internet again. And, you know, at that point it was like Facebook and MySpace, um, those kind of things. And, um, things just started to go really dark for me at that point. And, um, 
So Karina, why don't you explain to listeners and to myself, because I don't know that I even fully understand it. When you mm-hmm. say you have a love and re- relationship addiction, what does that mean? What, how does that manifest itself in your life? Yeah. So for me personally, and, and when I describe this to anybody who's like a newcomer at the church that I go to or something, and they're, they're talking about different struggles in their lives, um, if I'm describing this to somebody, what I tell them is that for me, what it is, is having a need to feel loved, affirmed, approved, which those are all normal things. Everybody, I think, I would like to think that everybody would like to feel loved and approved and affirmed and flattered or complimented or whatever. But to uh, a a person with love and relationship addiction, it's at a um, addiction level where it's like, if I don't have that, I'm going to go find it. And without any kind of recovery from that, or even knowing that that was a problem, it was wild and rampant. And so, um, so that's what love and relationship addiction is. It's for me, it's going out and looking for attention, flattery, approval, um, for me, back when Joe and I started having the really big problems that I was referring to a few minutes ago, um, when that was happening, what I was doing is I was going on social media and I was posting like a picture of myself just to have somebody say, oh, you're so pretty. Oh, you have the nicest eyes or your hair is so pretty or whatever, or, or saying something bad about myself so that somebody would turn it into a compliment, kind of fishing for attention. Okay. And just so that I could get it, yeah. just to fill that God-shaped hole that so, only God could fill. Yeah. So you mentioned that whenever you moved to Rogers that Joe got busy. Yes. And so his work was apparently uh, encumbersome, that it was uh, you were gone a lot or you mm-hmm. were traveling, I don't know. But um, you said that's whenever the love and relationship addiction started ramping To really up. kick in, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah, and so at that point... I would get onto social media. Like I said, I would do the, you know, put a picture of my face on there or whatever. And then we met some friends. Both of us met some friends who it was a husband and wife couple. And, um, the husband started like flirting with me and giving me a lot of flattery and things like that over chat messages. And in my 11 relationship, relationship addiction for me, it was more like, Oh, well that feels really good to get that. Cause you know, I'm not, I don't know what, what my mind is thinking at that point, but I'm trying to figure out like, for some reason I reasoned away any kind of, you know, like that's kind of cheating on your husband. If you're flirting or even entertaining the idea of somebody else flirting with you, but that was going on and I gave into it and I flirted right back with them. And then that turned into an affair, Mm. unfortunately. And, um, that is totally something that was my love and relationship addiction and codependency, the codependency part of it came in where this guy would tell me all about his marital woes. And then he'd say, well, you need, you have to promise me that you won't tell anybody. And so of course I would, you know, promise not to tell him, but what that was doing in my love and relationship addiction and in my codependency was that was forming a bond. It was a false bond. It was a bond that made me feel like he needs me in my codependency. He needs me. He needs me to show up for him. But also in my love and relationship addiction, in feeling like he needed me, 
it made me feel really good and made me want to just keep that going. And so, yeah, that's, that's where it went for me. It was a really, um, scary place. Now that I look back on it in the midst of it, it was a fantasy world, Mm. complete fantasy world where I had this whole idea that everything was going to work out that, um, in my brain, I thought Joe and I can get a divorce and I can go be with this guy. He's going to divorce his wife and we're going to share the kids and everything's going to be perfect. And that wasn't at all. That was so, that was the devil just lying to me and telling me that it was okay to cheat on my husband. And I'm so thankful that God put a stop to it. So Joe, were you aware you were busy? Things were you were busy. Were you even was there any warning signs of looking back? Did you see, oh, oh, and, or I mean, did you did you feel anything? I mean, what was going on with you during that time period? I think I was just in denial about it. I was not putting God first. Um, I wasn't putting Karina first. I was, I was putting me first. Um, you know, I, so I struggle with anger as I talked about, and I struggle with pornography as well. That was, those are things that I brought into our marriage. Um, our community group, um, said, Hey, there's this, this ministry that, that deals with lots of different things, you know, drugs, alcohol, but also, um, pornography and anger issues. And so we should go check this out. And so we did. Um, and, uh, we went and the first, that first night as we're on our way home, I told Karina, I am going back. Cause I had tried to, I had tried to stop the pornography, um, on my own so many times. Um, but I saw guys at, at Celebrate Recovery who had, one guy had 30 days of sobriety, and I was like, that's amazing. I would love to get that. So I started going back. I got into a, a step study, which basically it's a, a, a group of guys, and we just committed to like a year-long program um, where we're going to go through. And it was really cool. I had gotten into this rhythm of talking to God and listening to God and, and you know, and, and looking at my emotions. And... Uh, this one evening I, I was trying to print something on my computer and it wasn't working and Karina and I shared computers all the time. So it wasn't a big deal. I just switched over to try printing it on her computer and she had forgotten to log out of her secret email account and I'm looking there. Um, now, you know, friends had said, Hey, you know, there's something wrong or whatever. And I was just dismissing that. But, um, I was, I knew that our marriage wasn't doing well, but I didn't, but I didn't know why. And then I open up and I'm looking at these emails and, and initially I thought this is just a sick joke. Um, that they're just, that this is just some joke they're passing back and forth between them. And, um, and then I read a couple more and I was, then I was angry. Um, and I stood up and I actually, Karina was in, I was in the living room, well, the dining room area where the computer was and she was in the bedroom and, um, and I, like all of it came into focus. I realized the reason that our marriage is falling apart, like everything, and that not everything was that. Like I blamed blamed that for everything, but um, there was all kinds of other things. This was just one of the, the affair was just a symptom. But I was angry and I was done. Um, I actually walked into the bedroom uh, with the intent of, of telling her that she had to leave. Like it was, we're just done. Um, and in that 30 feet, um, uh, God talked to me. 
I knew that it was God telling me, stop, kneel by the bed, ask her what happened. And I did. And Karina told me um, that she was having the affair. And um, it was, uh, I know that it was a God thing, because as I mentioned, I struggle with anger. Mm -hmm. And um, for the next three days, I didn't get to be angry. Uh, Karina was trying to figure out what's going on. And Karina, who was still my best friend at this point, um, who I still loved very much, uh, I'm comforting her. I mean, mm -hmm. at one point we, we were on the back deck mm -hmm. and she's just crying and I'm comforting her. And, uh, which is, uh, for those that know me will know that's, that's a God cause I am not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> so is that, is that where you Karina decided, mm -hmm. Hey, I, I'm ready to, I'm ready to work, oh, yes. work on this. Oh yes. Um, well, when he came to me, obviously I was shocked. Oh my gosh, the gig is up, you know, because um, that was still the person that I was at that time. That was the life that I was living. I was shocked. Um, and then when he went to his knees and he said, Karina, you have to tell me what's going on. Those were the words he said to me. And I just spilled it all out. I told him everything. We went and sat on the bed and I told him everything. I was shaking uncontrollably, crying and sobbing and telling him everything. I'm also realizing I've got to stop this affair. And this affair was an addiction to me. And so that was very scary because that was like me having to give up my drug. Mm. And, um, but I knew I had to. And, you know, Joe comfort, comforting me out on the deck was exactly what God told him to do. Like he said, that was a God thing. There's no way that in his anger that he would have done something like that if God had not intervened because he was very much going to just throw me out of the house. And in Joe talking to me on that back deck and hugging me and comforting me, I was in a big heap on the deck crying and I was reaching out to God saying, God, I need help. I don't know how to fix this. I want to save my marriage and I don't know how to do it. And I felt like God took my hand and it was actually my husband that took my hand. And this always makes me cry, but it's, I'm just so grateful. But he said, if you're willing to do the work of recovery, we will get through this together. And I was so ready to do it. I said, yeah, I'll do it. And that's when I started going to the recovery groups that he had already been going to for a year at that point. Um, I, I started going and I dug in and I've never looked back. So tell me a little bit about the process. How does the trust come back? Yeah. Rebuilding trust was really, it, it took several, well, it took quite a while. Um, yeah, I, I can actually speak into that. Um, I actually became very determined that I was going to build back trust. And so without his asking me to, I actually handed him my laptop and my phone and any other electronic equipment that I possibly had. Said, I need you to change the passwords and I just need to be off of everything because I know that I can't control my tendency to do the wrong thing. You know, I'm going to go back because that's an addiction and I'm trying to break the addiction. I know that it's wrong 
all of that. So I handed him everything and I said, I need you to take this because I don't trust myself with it. Um, so I did that and he took that. And then I also started to log every trip that I ever, everywhere that I drove. And I think those things definitely helped to rebuild trust. And then just always keeping in mind that you're known by your fruit. And I wanted to bear good fruit. So in order to do that, I had to get closer to God. You know, there were a few other things like uh, for a period of time, we agreed that I could ask any question and she would answer it. Yep. Um, and I would just know that she's going to tell me the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I don't want to know the truth, then don't ask that question. Yeah. And so that was important um, mm-hmm. for earning the trust back. And, and that worked really well. Such an amazing story. Let me ask you this. Do you think that you would be as close as you are now if these issues hadn't happened? So that's a really funny question. Um, uh, I do not recommend an affair (laughs) as a marriage improvement program, but um, we are closer now than we ever were before. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, just it was that was probably two years ago. It occurred to me that God literally used my pornography addiction to save my marriage. That's an amazing God. (laughs) Because without that, I wouldn't have been going to CR, which, you know, um, I love CR, but, you know, Jesus is the important thing. Um, I would not have, I would not have been in a program where I was learning to talk to God more, um, read the Bible more. Like, I would not have improved my relationship with God and I would not have been in a place where, where I would have been willing to save our marriage. Yeah. Um, it took both of us to decide to save our marriage, and I wouldn't have been in that spot. So let me ask you one more question that actually has two parts to it. One, if there's someone listening and they are thinking about getting married, or maybe they're just married, what advice would you give them? They're either newly married or about to get married. So what advice would you give them as a new married couple? And then secondly, to the person who is about to give up on their marriage? Well, so uh, I really feel like love is a decision. Um, Mm -hmm. It's also a feeling, but there are times when it's a decision. For the people that are newly married or just about to get married, um, remember like how you feel now and remember that forever because 10 years from now, 15 years from now, um, when, uh, the kids have five different after school activities and the boss needs you to work the weekend and the house, the roof needs a repair, you know, cause of a hailstorm and, there's, you may come across someone that it feels easier with because you don't have kids and a house and, you know, and all of that other stuff. Um, that doesn't mean that that new relationship is, is the, is the real, is really the one. Um, it just means that you don't have as much Baggage. Some of that baggage is good baggage. Like when we go on a vacation trip, some of that, some of the stuff in the suitcase is great. Mm. And some of it's dirty clothes that you're bringing home, but um, (laughs) you don't have as much baggage. Uh, For those um, that might be in a situation where it's gotten, it's gotten rough and um, starting to think about divorce. um, 
I would say, like for me, the, the advice that I needed to get healthy for me was, was great advice. Um, I needed to work on me. I needed to concentrate on me. But if you, if you concentrate on yourself and working on improving yourself and your relationship with God, then even if the marriage doesn't work out, you come out a better person. Um, if there are kids involved, your relationship will be much better um, with the kids and all of that. Again, I pray that that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of prayer. Uh, mm-hmm. Prayer that your heart will change towards your, th- you know, towards your spouse and prayer that their heart will change towards you, back to you. Um, go all in, all the way to the end, and, uh, and I pray there's not an end. How about you, Karina? Yeah, I, well, I was just going to add to what he just said that, you know, in the beginning, if you're in the process of getting ready to get married, premarital counseling, absolutely make sure you do that. And then also communication is key. It's so important to communicate your feelings, good, bad, ugly, beautiful, whatever they are. And that's something that Joe and I have returned to many, many, many times over the almost 26 years that we've been married now. And um, as he said, you know, we are more in love and more in sync than ever before. Don't go to bed angry, but that also means to work on your dysfunctions or on your whatever you bring into the table, whatever you're bringing to the marriage, work on those things and ask God to help you in your recovery so that you don't continue to do the things that might harm your marriage. And that's, that's things that I might bring to the marriage or things that he might bring to the marriage to just keep working on those things. So, yeah. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Karina, for sharing your story with us. Hey, if you are listening today and you are thinking, someday I'm going to get married, maybe you're even engaged to be married. Just remember that the issues that you are struggling with now will be carried into that marriage. Wouldn't it be better to deal with those issues now, to change your path now, before your marriage? Maybe you are married and you are struggling. Maybe you have been betrayed and you are even ready to give up on your marriage. Let me just say that there is hope for your marriage and God can change your path and bring healing and love into your relationship just like he did for Joe and Karina. Change is possible, but if nothing changes, nothing changes. See you next time.